Job chapter 14, starting at verse 7. For there is hope for a tree, if it is cut down, that it will sprout again, and that its tender shoots will not cease. Though its root may grow old in the earth, and its stump may die in the ground, yet, yet, at the scent of water, it will bud and bring forth branches like a plant. And I know that might sound a bit random, but it will make sense uh, once we get into the word of the Lord here today. For the next few minutes, I'd like to preach to you on the thought, the scent of hope, the scent of hope. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you, God, uh, for this time that we have together. Lord, we bring before you uh, those who are suffering, those who are struggling with these bushfires. We bring before you uh, the fire brigade, those who are out working tirelessly on our behalf. Lord, we bring them before you here today, and we pray that your hand would be on them, that you would protect them that you would be with them during this trying time. And Lord, we pray that you would pour out of your rain upon this earth, God, that we would see a miraculous outpouring of your rain, Lord, to quench these fires and, and that, and that this, the safety would take place and that these fires would go out as it's devastating homes and communities. But in the meantime, we pray, Lord, that you would be with them that you would help them during this time, that you would comfort them. God, you are our comforter. You are our hope, and I pray that you would be with them even now. And as we minister here today, I pray, Lord, that your spirit would work in this place, God, that you would minister to every heart, that you would minister to every mind, that we would be open to receive from you, and, God, that you would use me to bless your people here today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. The scent of hope. In 2018, Barack Obama led one of the most famous campaigns in the long history of democracy around the world in 2008, which ultimately led to him being elected the 44th president of the United States of America. And if you haven't noticed by now, I am American, uh, but don't let that put you off because I'm also Australian. I'm a dual citizen, all right? So don't hold it against me, please. Uh, <laughs> that year, 2008, was filled with rousing speech after rousing speech as Obama traveled back and forth across the country. Millions of people all over the globe were inspired by the central theme of every speech, of every advert, of every sign, of every sticker. It was just one word, and it was the word hope. Hope. What do you think of when you hear the word Hope. I know at the beginning of each year we have this feeling of hope that it is a, a time of new beginnings and it is a time where we can put the old behind us. As we turn the calendar over into January, we can put 2019 behind us and we can look forward in hope to what's ahead of us in 2020. But what do you think of when you hear the word hope? To the Roman philosopher Pliny the Elder, hope was the pillar that holds up the world. Hope is the dream of a waking man. Bishop Desmond Tutu, a, an anti-apartheid leader in South Africa, he described hope as being able to see that there is light despite all of the darkness. Obama himself said in one of his many speeches that year, he said that hope is that thing inside us that insists, despite all the evidence to the contrary, that something better awaits us if we have the courage to reach for it and to work for it and to fight for it. Amen. In researching for this message, I saw a lot of pessimists that were quite negative on the subject of hope. 
that word always seems to stir within someone, within a human being, a response, whether it is hope for something better or a visceral response of what do you mean there's hope? And getting back to our text for this morning, we see that Job is facing what seems like a hopeless situation. He has lost everything. And many people around Australia can, can kind of see what he's going through right now. He has lost everything. He has lost his children. He has lost his wealth. And finally, he has even lost his health. And it is in this circumstance, in this dire circumstance, that his friends gather around him and, and they decide to lecture Job. How many are thankful for friends like that? Amen? That when, that when you're down, they just come by and go, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> when you're down, they don't, they don't pull you up, but they push you back down. In this circumstance, the friends gathered around and they didn't offer him hope, but but they started lecturing him, and, and one of them encouraged him to repent. They're saying, Job, you've done something wrong. Obviously, you've done something wrong. All these bad things have happened, so you must have done something wrong. You need to repent. Another one said that, that Job's uh, punishment wasn't severe enough for, for the attitude and the behavior that Job had shown when, when he heard Job's reply. Imagine that. He's lost everything. He's lost his family. He's lost his, his belongings. He's even lost his health, where he's in very, very poor health at this moment. And his friend says, you weren't punished enough. I mean, what else is there? Death? Should God have killed him? And in Job's response to his friend, he begins to talk about a tree. He responds to what his friends are saying to him by talking about a tree. And he says this. He says, for there is hope for a tree. When it is cut down, that it will sprout again, and its shoots will not fail. Though its roots grow old in the ground, and its stump dries, dies in the dry soil, yet at the scent of water it will flourish and put forth sprigs like a plant. I can see Job picturing in his mind a tree, a strong, solid, sturdy, healthy tree. Its branches are reaching toward the heavens, and its limbs are covered with beautiful green leaves. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, it is cut down. Maybe its branches are used uh, for kindling to build a fire, and, and what, maybe what was once its, uh, it, its trunk is now being used to build a home. The beautiful, healthy, strong tree has been replaced and reduced to nothing but a stump. It's one once intricate root system, which gave the tree life, grows old, and starts drying out in the ground. This tree faces what seems to be a hopeless situation. The branches are gone. The leaves are gone. Even the trunk is gone. The roots itself have grown old in the ground, and yet there is this word that falls right after he says all of that. It is this word, yet. It may seem hopeless, but there is a yet involved in the situation. Yet means simply to, to be in spite of or nevertheless. All of these negative things are happening, yet there is a yet involved. There is a nevertheless involved. There is a, a, a in spite of involved. And some of you need to get a yet in your spirit here this morning that despite what I'm going through, despite what's happening all around us, in spite of all of that, nevertheless, amen, I'm going through a difficult situation yet. 
The diagnosis wasn't what I wanted yet. I feel like I have failed God yet. Amen. My family seems to be falling apart yet. My heart is broken and my life is in pieces. Yet I have a nevertheless involved in my situation. I have an in spite of involved in my situation. Oh, you don't understand, pre preacher. My situation is too far gone. My situation seems hopeless. Yet, yet, somebody get a yet in your spirit here today that despite what is going on around me, I know that there's more to the story in spite of nevertheless. Hallelujah. Job said, yet at the scent of water, it will bud and it will bring forth branches as a plant. Just at the scent of water. We're wanting a downpour here in Australia right now. But Job was saying, all it takes is just a scent. All it takes is just a little feeling of, the, of, of water and there is hope for a tree. It doesn't take a monsoon. It doesn't take a downpour. It doesn't, doesn't even take just a sprinkle. But it is just a scent of water. Just a scent in life springs back into this dry and dead stump. Well, what are you talking about, preacher? <laughs> You're going on and on and on about a tree, about a stump, about scents and water and whatnot. Why have I spent all this time talking about a tree? You see, because Job is using that as an example to further illustrate how hopeless his situation was. You see, he was saying that for a tree in the situation that he is facing, there is hope. It could even find itself, there can even find some hope even in such a terrible situation. But Job is saying, but not so much for me. You see, Job is saying, yes, the tree, that, that has hope, but, but I don't. And, and I agree with Job that he does not have hope in and of himself. You see, people who are trying to do it on their own ability, those of us who are trying to fix things on our own, that are trying to sort out our situations with our own intellect, with our own understanding, with our own wisdom, we may not have hope in that situation. But if you get God involved in that situation, there is always hope. Hallelujah. You see, if God is not involved in the situation, yes, there may not be hope. But if God is involved in the situation, if you allow him to get involved in the situation, then there is no circumstance. There is no situation that is too hopeless. If my God is involved here today, hallelujah, there is no situation too far gone. We see a story in, in John chapter 4. And Jesus was traveling through Samaria when he came to a city called Sychar, where Jacob's well was located. And Jesus was tired from his journey, and so he goes and, and he rests by this well. And it was around noon that a woman from Samaria came to draw water from that well. Jesus talked to the woman, and he asked her, he said, could you please give me a drink? And, and she responded to him by saying, how is it that you being a Jew, would ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman. You see, to give you a bit of context, the Jews did not look so favorably on the Samaritans. Why was that? Because the Samaritans were a group of people that were Jews mixed with Gentiles. Gentiles is just anyone who's not a Jew. And so they were Jews that had intermarried with the Gentiles, and they, they formed this race called Samaritans. And they allowed everything to mix in that culture, the Samaritans. They even allowed the religions of the Gentiles to mix into their culture. And this is why the Jews did not look favorably on them because they weren't, not all of them were serving the one true God only. 
but they would make allowances for other gods. But you see, the wonderful thing about Jesus is that he has never allowed cultural norms to stop him. Amen? From ministering to someone, from reaching out to someone that is lost. He, he doesn't care how the Jews see the Samaritans. He doesn't care about the thousands of years of problems. All he sees is someone who is in need, and he's going to reach out to him. Jesus, Jesus has never allowed culture to keep him from reaching out to those who are in need, to those who need him. Later, Jesus would tell a a hated tax collector by the name of Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. He would say that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He's come to save that which was lost. It doesn't matter what they look like. It doesn't matter their background. It doesn't matter their skin color. It doesn't matter who they worship. Jesus has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus was on a mission to reach for the lost, and it didn't matter what they looked like. It didn't matter their background. It didn't matter what they had done or where they were from, but he came to reach for the lost. And Jesus is still in the business of reaching for the lost here today. Jesus is still in the business of reaching out to those who are in need of him here today, and he is reaching out to someone here this morning. Jesus is reaching out to the lost here today. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter where you have been. It doesn't even matter where you were last night or even earlier this morning. As long as you found yourself in the house of God, there is hope for you today because Jesus is reaching out to you here today. It doesn't matter who you are or where you are from. Jesus is willing and able to reach out to you here today. Hallelujah. You see, Jesus responded to the woman and he said, if you only knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She questioned how he could have this living water. What are you talking about? You're the one that's sitting on the well. You're the one that asked me for a drink. What are you talking about? What is this living water that you're babbling on about, Jesus? What is this? And Jesus answered and said unto her, whosoever drinks of this water... Whoever drinks this water, the water in this well, they will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And when the woman heard that, she replied as the best way that's possible for anybody that hears the gospel. The best way to reply is, sir, please give me this water. Give me whatever you got. Whatever you got, this living water, I need it. And that's the best response that you can have here today to Jesus is whatever you have for me, Jesus, I want it. It doesn't matter what I, what, if I'm on the mountain, Tom, or if I'm down in the valley, if you've got something for me, Jesus, I want it. I want to have it. Amen. Sir, give me this water. You see, hope had risen in her heart that day. Hope had risen in her heart. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'll give you some backstory on the woman because you see later it was revealed that she had had five husbands and was living with a man that she wasn't married to. And I know that might seem somewhat normal here today in Australia, but back then that was definitely not normal and that was definitely not okay. She had had five previous husbands and she was living with someone that she was not married to. Her life was an absolute mess. She was broken. She was the talk of the town. Nobody cared about her and, and her life was in ruin and her life was a mess. And I'm sure she woke up that morning thinking that it would be just like every other day. 
that some of you may have woke up even this morning thinking, you know, I'm just going to go to the church and, and see some of my friends, but it, not, not much is going to change. It's just going to be like every other day. You see, nothing was going to change in her hopeless situation, the mindset that she had. You see, the branches in her life, they had been cut down. The trunk had been sawed into pieces. And what was once a beautiful tree when she was a young woman had been cut down. And all that was left was this dry, dead stump. Her roots had grown old in the ground, and she just did not have anything left to offer. She was nothing but a dead, dry stump. Yet. Yet. There was a scent of water that day. Yet. There was a scent of water. What is this living water that Jesus is talking about? Well, it, the Bible explains it in John chapter 7. Jesus mentions this water again in verse 37. He says this, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Who, he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Well, you still haven't explained it, preacher. I'm, I'm, I'm getting to it. In verse 39, the apostle John clarifies what Jesus was talking about in verse 37. He says, But this he spoke concerning the Spirit. Whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. You see the living water that Jesus was talking about with that woman that day. The living water that he was explaining to her. That was the gift of the Holy Spirit that was going to be poured out. That was the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is the living water. And in Acts chapter 2, after Jesus had risen from the grave and ascended into heaven, his spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost when they were gathered together. They were all gathered together in an upper room praising and, and praying and waiting for the spirit to fall. And it fell like a rushing and a mighty wind and cloven tongues like as a fire sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit of God gave the utterance. And they had no idea what was going on, but they spilled out into the streets worshiping and glorifying. God and people all around them heard them worshiping and glorifying God in their own languages and they're saying how are these ignorant people knowing my languages because these people were from all over the world and they were there in Jerusalem that day they heard the gospel being worshipped and, and talked about in their very own languages. Some of them said these guys are drunk what is, what is going on but, but others said what does this mean? And there are going to be two responses when you reach out to people. There are some people that are going to say, you're crazy. You lost your mind. What, what, what are you doing? Why are you, why are you making these sacrifices? Why are you going to church? Why are you giving up this and, and doing that and so on and so forth? But then there will be other people that will be hungry, that will be desperate, that will be thirsty and say, what does this mean? Please talk to me. Explain to me what's going on in your life because I see a change. I see a difference and I want it. I want it. I want it. Hallelujah. What shall we do? What can we do? What does this mean? Then Peter stood up and he began to preach and he talked to the Jews that day. The people gathered around. He talked about Jesus and they talked about how that he was the Messiah and how he'd come to save them, to redeem them. And yet they crucified him. They had him killed. And when they heard that message, the Bible says that they were upset. And they responded in verse 37 of Acts 2 by saying, they were pricked to the heart, said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, what can we do? How can we fix this? What should we do? And the response is given by Peter in verse 38. He says, repent 
and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Peter was saying this gift is for you. It's not just for us 120. It's not an exclusive gift. It's not just for the POS, but it is for everybody. This gift is for everybody. You see, Peter was telling the crowd that day, I know you feel like you messed up, that you ruined it, that you killed the Messiah, that you, that you killed Jesus when he came here to save you and to, and, to, and to talk to you and to help you. I know you think that you made the worst mistake of your life, but I'm telling you, Peter's saying this, you still have hope here today. You can still receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There is still hope for you here today. You see, these were the same people, like I said, that had Jesus crucified. They were the ones there that said, let his blood be upon us and upon our children. And they were the ones that rejected their Messiah. Yet the Holy Spirit was still poured out on them that day. If God is willing to pour out his spirit on those who had him murdered, how much more is he willing to pour out his spirit on you and I here in 2020? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is nobody too far gone. There is no sin too big for my God. There is nobody that can put themselves out of the grace of God. He can reach out to the uttermost. He can reach out to you here today. There is no situation where there is no hope because my God is involved in the situation. Hallelujah. See, nobody is hopeless in this place here today because Jesus is in the house here today. Hope is in the building here today, and he can reach out to you here. If you will allow him, you don't have to leave this place hopeless, but hope is here. Hallelujah. And I'll prove it to you. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 15, verse 13, he said this. He said, now may the God of hope. Now may the God of hope. How many of you know that we serve a God of hope. We don't serve a God of hopelessness. We don't serve a God whose arm is too short, but we serve a God of hope. We serve a God that is bigger, that is greater, that is larger than any situation that we face. The Bible says that he is Lord of heaven and of earth. That means that he has dominion in the heavens, but he also has dominion over the earth. He is Lord both of heaven and of the earth. He has authority over all. He has authority over every situation. He has authority over every problem here today. That's why the Bible says that he is a healer because he has authority over every sickness. That's why the Bible says that he's a deliverer because he has authority over every situation. That's why my God sa- the Bible says that he is a provider because he has authority over the finances. My, my God is the owner of a cattle of a thousand hills. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, he owns it all. He owns the cattle. He owns the hills. He owns everything. That's why the Bible says that he is a mender of the brokenhearted because he has authority over your heart here today. Hallelujah. That's why my Bible says that he is the liberator of those that are in captivity because my God has authority over every situation, over every sin, over every circumstance. My God has authority because he is a God of heaven and earth. He is a God of hope here today. How many here can testify to the fact that our God is a healer? How many here can testify to the fact that our God is a deliverer? How many here can testify to the fact that our God has mended their broken heart, that has delivered them from captivity? Hallelujah. And if he's done it for them, then he can do it for you. Because my Bible says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God isn't on vacation today because half the church is over in Canberra. But my God can reach out to you here today because he's a God of hope. He is a God of hope, and there is no situation too far gone. 
whose spirit is in the place here today, and he can mend your broken heart here this morning. Hallelujah. But the verse continues in Romans 15. It says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope. How? By the power of the Holy Ghost. If you are filled with the Spirit of God, you are never hopeless. If you allow the Spirit of God to overflow in your life, then you can abound in hope. And you can bring hope into every situation that you come in contact with. Because the Holy Spirit is working and operating in your life. You see, God fills us with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. That is why a woman in our church could go through chemo treatment after chemo treatment and still have joy. It was because she was filled with the Holy Spirit. Her joy wasn't found in her health, but her joy was found in the power of the Holy Spirit. That is why we can have peace even in the midst of the storms of life. That is why I can talk to Richard Bully, whose house is surrounded by fire, and he can still come to the house of God here today, and he can still have peace, and he can still have joy because he's full of the Holy Spirit oh hallelujah church hallelujah church our joy is not based on happiness our peace is not based on security you can have joy in your sorrow and you can have peace in your insecurity because you are filled with the Holy Spirit there is hope for you here today because hope is in the house here this morning oh God it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. It doesn't matter if you're, you feel like your branches have been cut down. It doesn't matter if you feel like your roots have grown old. It doesn't matter if you feel like there's nothing left but just a stump. There is living water for you here today. Oh, there is a scent of water here in the house today. There is living water. God can breathe life into your situation here this morning. He can touch your family. My God can heal your body. He can turn your situation around because we serve a God of hope. Oh, God, he can break the chains of addiction. He can give you a new life. You don't have to face 2020 walking with the same demons that have been following you all your life, but you can leave this place walking in victory because we serve a God of hope. This can be the greatest year of your life because you are going to be walking in the authority of the power of God with the Holy Spirit overflowing in your life, and hope can abound in your life and in your family. But it is up to you and I to be filled with the Spirit. Hallelujah. Nobody's too far gone. We all have hope. We all have hope here today. Praise the name of the Lord. As I hurry to the a close, if the musicians could please come. Hallelujah. You see, the Samaritan woman, she, she left the well that day after her conversation with Jesus. And the Bible says that she left that place and she went back to her town. She was enthused and energized by the hope that she had just experienced, the conversation that she had just had with the Messiah, with Jesus. And the Bible says that she went back to where she came from. You see, life had begun to spring up in a dead situation. It was as if, as if the stump of her life had just begun to bud for the first time. You see, she went back to her town and the Bible says that she told everyone that would listen. 
She would tell everyone that would listen about the hope that she had just received, the hope that she had just come in contact with, about this man Jesus that had this living water. And because of that, hope began to spread. So the Samaritans, they traveled out to see Jesus. And the Bible records that, that many of them believed on Jesus that day because of the witness of the woman. And many more believed because of the word of Jesus. You see, there will be people that come into your life. There will be people that enter into this church. And they begin to have a relationship with Jesus. Not necessarily because of the preached word of Jesus. But because of your witness. Because of your witness to them. Because of the life that you are displaying to them. They, can, they believe because of the witness of the woman. And because of the word of Jesus. One woman, just one, responded to the scent of hope that day. And it changed an entire city forever. And you know what the interesting thing is? Is she had only heard about the living water. She hadn't even received it. Because the Holy Spirit was not yet poured out. She had not received the power that was spoken of in Acts 1. You'll receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses. She did it without the power of the Holy Spirit. Only with the hope of the fact that one day she might have that living water. What is our excuse here today? So many of us here have that living water operating in our lives, flowing out of our lives. What is our excuse here today? Why are we sitting in hopelessness? We don't have to be hopeless. We have hope here today. What would happen if we were so full of the Holy Ghost? You see, the Bible says that it's not just living water, but it's living water springing up. And it's like a river flowing out. What would happen if you and I were so full of the Holy Ghost that everywhere we went, every person that we came in contact with, hope began to spread because they came in contact with the presence of God through the people of God. Oh God, every situation that we became involved in, every conversation that we had, we continued to spread that hope. We continued to plant that hope. We continued to allow that water to flow out of our lives. There is no telling what God could do in our families. There is no telling what God could do in our communities. There is no telling what God could do in this city and in this nation if we allow the Spirit of God to flow through us. Amen. So many people, as Brother George said in the previous service, so many people are looking for hope because of what is going on right now. You see, we're so proud many times because we have it all under control until we don't. And when we don't, that's when people tend to look to someone who has ultimate control. And that is where you and I have the opportunity to introduce them to Jesus. I saw an interview of a lady who was crying out and praying because what was happening around her. And she didn't even, she admitted, she didn't even realize who she was praying to. She was just praying, asking for help. What would happen if we were there to offer that hope, to spread that living water wherever we went? There's no telling what God would do. If we could be upstanding as I come to a close.
Thank you for your attention here today. The scent of hope. We read at the end of Job that there was still hope in his situation. Yes, Job declared, there's hope for a tree, but not for me. <laughs> there's hope for that tree, but I don't have hope. That tree can come back, but I can't come back. But the reality is, is that there was still hope for Job. Why? Because God was still involved in his situation. He wasn't completely hopeless. And we read in Job 42, Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job's more than his beginning. More than his beginning. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and grandchildren for four generations. So Job died old and full of days. When you know when he was seeing, sitting in that situation and feeling like there was no hope, I bet he didn't feel like he'd make it to tomorrow. I bet he felt like he wouldn't make it to the next week or the next month. And yet Job's entire situation turned around because he allowed God to get involved in his situation. And he died old and full of days. There is hope for you here today, but it's up to us to respond. God is not going to make you. God is not going to force it upon you, but it's up to you and I to respond to the hope that was preached about here today. Augustine of Hippo said this. He said, hope has two beautiful daughters. Their names are anger and courage. Anger at the way things are, but courage to see that they do not remain the way they are. And I'm gonna, I pray for courage for every single person here this, this day, that in 2020, that you are going to not allow things to remain the same way that they are, but that you are going to interact with the hope of Jesus Christ, with the Spirit of God, and allow your forevers to be impacted by His Spirit here today. So my question to you here this day is what are you going to do with the hope that was presented to you here in this message? What is your response to the hope that was preached about here today? This place here at the front, this is what we call an altar. It's just a place where we gather together to pray. Those of us who may have needs or those of us who want to make commitments and, and the leadership of the church can come and pray with us and other brothers and sisters in the church can come and pray with us. And I want to invite you to come to this altar if you have a need here today. If you need to interact with the God of hope here today, I would encourage you to come to this altar and encounter the spirit of the living God here today because there is living water in this altar here today. And if you will come here, God will interact and respond to your need, to your request. There is no telling what God could do in your situation if you just open up yourself, if you just lift your hands and cry out to him and allow him to work in your situation. Amen. And for those of you that may be full of the spirit and you may be one of those that are up on the mountain, I wanna encourage you to make that commitment here from the outset of this year, that you are going to be a man and a woman of God that's going to allow the Spirit of God to operate in your life, that you are going to be a man and a woman of God that is going to offer hope wherever you go in every situation that you find yourself in, that you will walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. These altars are open if you'd like to come. I'm just going to pray with you here. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for your Spirit that's in this place, God. 
We thank you, Lord, for moving all throughout this service and operating in this place. I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice that they would not allow themselves to leave this place the same way that they came, that they would not allow themselves to leave this place, walking out of this place, walking out in hopelessness, but, God, that they would respond to the hope that was preached about here today. I pray, Lord, for every person under the sound of my voice that needs to interact with your spirit to allow you to work in their life, that your power would be made manifest in them and through them for your glory in 2020, that this church would continue to grow, that this church would continue to flourish, that this church would continue to increase because we have men and women of God that are walking all throughout this city, offering hope to situations that seem hopeless, offering hope to their neighbors, offering hope to their colleagues, offering hope to those who seem like they've got nothing left to offer. Lord, have your way in this place here today. Have your way. This altar is open if you'd like to come. We'd love to pray with you here this morning.